I'm going to read you a line. You tell me if you said it or your co-star here. Okay. <laughs> I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. That's, that's, that's me. That's you. But, <laughs> like... <laughs> you know... Do you need a hint? You know. Is it V? No, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a film a few people in here probably have seen a thousand times. Oh my god, is it Star Wars? It's Star Wars. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no one said it. <laughs> Attack of the Clones. Uh, okay. Attack of the Thank Clones. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No problem. And yes, yeah. I'm an expert. You're welcome, everybody. Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. I'm Josh Horowitz, and we are live at the 92nd Street Y for a special edition of Happy, Sad, Confused with the cast of May, December. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Um, this audience here in New York uh, has just seen this amazing movie. If only there was something to talk about with this movie, right? There's nothing we could possibly discuss. Uh, this is uh, one of the best movies I've seen in, in some time. Uh, this is a smart, cool crowd. So you know Todd Haynes always delivers uh, safe velvet goldmine carol. Uh, and he always brings out the best in his already fine actors. And he has done it again with this one. Um, this features a trio of amazing performances. Uh, and we have three seats to fill tonight, and I'm gonna talk to these actors, I'm gonna take some of your questions, we're gonna have a good time. Are you ready for this? Okay. Our trio of actors. Uh, first up, uh, I wanna introduce a gentleman who has, uh, as of today, is now a Gotham Award winner, a New York Film Critics Circle winner. As of today, please give a warm welcome to Charles Melton, everybody. Please give a warm welcome to Academy Award winner, Julianne Moore, everybody. We've got another Academy Award winner out here tonight, producer and star, Natalie Portman. Give a warm welcome. I think, I think they like the movie, guys. So far, so good. Um, congratulations, this is a truly special piece of work. Uh, first of all, okay, my main takeaway is obviously never let an actor into your home to research. <laughs> did, I, did I get the, the gist of it? Is that what you were going for? Yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> just check it, just check it. Um, this movie is, is so complex in the best ways. It's, a, it's, it's, I don't know, I fell in love with it myself, I think, when uh, Julianne's hot dog line within the first five minutes. Uh, when did you fall in love, respectively, with this project? Let's start with Natalie, because I know this kind of starts, in a sense, with you and you're wanting to work with, with Todd. Give us a sense of where this began. Yeah, I've dreamed of working with Todd Haynes my entire career. Um, I've watched his collaborations with Julie, especially, I think, with um, such admiration and inspiration my entire career. I like studied those films and loved loved them so much from, from safe to far from heaven, um, I mean, every single one. And um, I had sent Todd a few scripts in the past that he did not take to, and then Jessica Elbaum, one of the other producers, sent me Sammy Birch's script, and I was so blown away by 
all of the questions that she poses in this story and the characters she draws so finely and thought maybe this is the one and sent it to Todd and thank God he, he took to it. Uh, pretty quickly, as I understand it, too. He kind of responded to it immediately? Yeah, I think he's quite, um, quite sure about oh, what yeah. he likes and and what he does when he said no to me too it was very fast like <laughs> yeah. kind but fast Rather than drag and, this it out. Was, and this was kind and, and fast yes so wait before i come to, to your wonderful co-stars i had heard a thing from christine vachon the wonderful producer of this one of the producers was this also did you intend for a second to direct this was this presented to you as something to direct um i mean jessica had sent it to me kind of openly Got in it. a, you know, would you think of directing it? Would you think of acting in it? And I was like, I'm dying to play this role, but you know, if I could do it with Todd, that That's would be, gonna be the dream. dream. Yeah, well, it worked out clearly. Yes. Um, so anybody that knows Todd's work, knows Julianne, goes way back with Todd. You guys are intrinsically uh, linked forever. I was just telling you backstage, I saw Safe again recently, use this as a great excuse. What a fantastic film, your Thanks. first collaboration. Um, what is the nature of the relationship, five, I guess, five films in now at this point? Does he kind of always key you into what he's working on? Like, is there a kind of open door policy of what you both are, are toying with or no, how's it work? No, I mean, honestly, it's like Natalie said too, he's very decisive. When he makes up his mind to do something, that's what he's doing. And he's kind of, and often he's pursuing his own projects. So it's pretty unusual um, when something pops up like this and he says he's gonna direct it and, and I, um, I'm usually just a recipient of an email or a phone call or something. And in this case, it, he just said, you know, emailed me and said, Natalie Portman sent me the script. I want, I want to slip it to you. Like, he didn't even want to say anything just to see if you'll like this. And I was like, well, are you directing this? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, I'll do it. You know, but I mean, it was phenomenal. And I think that, I mean, in terms of our relationship, it's, it's been pretty consistent just over the years. I think that we have, we have a similar sensibility. Um, but he always does that. You know, he draws these really interesting, wonderful, creative people around him. And he finds lots of that sensibility in people like Natalie and Charles. You know, it's like you, you know, it, it's a kind of a, it's a wonderful collective when you work with Todd. So then we come to Mr. Melton, mm -hmm. sir. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. I mean, I think a lot of people came here tonight. You know, they're expecting, okay, Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, they're gonna blow me away on screen. You have had a different kind of career before this. And obviously you've done great work on television and different films, but this is a moment. And congratulations, I hope you're enjoying this because oh, you. you have made the most. I mean, you know, it's one thing to get the role, but then to make the most of it, and you really have. Um, talk to me about, like, when this comes around, as I understand that it, it's uh, another kind of self-tape audition, like, is it, is it just another amazing opportunity that, that may or may not, you know, go your way, or is it something that you immediately keyed into with whatever material you got? Yeah, you, uh, well, Sammy's script, when I first read it, I just felt this immediate connection to Joe and her writing. There is so much beyond the text, in between the text, and... When you see that Natalie Portman is attached and Julianne Moore directed by Todd Haynes, it's kind of a surreal moment. And that kind of just led into this six week auditioning process of self-taping before I flew out to New York and met Julie for the first time for her chemistry read and I met Todd and it was. Uh, yeah. So take me into the room, chemistry read. This yeah. has to be, a mo like again, like there's a lot riding on this. Like you're about to walk into a room with Julianne Moore, Todd Haynes. Yeah. 
it, it was very surreal. I remember, you know, I was kind of discovering my process while I was self-taping and everything, and it was really exciting for me. And I remember standing outside of the audition room, and I heard Julie and Todd talking about the scene. And my heart started beating out of my chest, and I was like, oh my gosh. I don't want to go in. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, what do I do? And then I went in there, and it was just, it was so incredible. I mean, I, I kind of felt like I was walking into heaven, and then I blacked out. <laughs> My team was like, how'd you do? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but this whole thing's been a gift. So at that point, it was amazing when Todd called me and said that, hey, you're going to play Joe. It was really exciting. It's a game changer. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit. For, for you guys in, in your respective careers, do you have a comparable moment, like an audition where it felt like a lot is riding on this? This could change the course of my career, whether it was a collaboration, something you got, or a, a room you walked into. Does anything resonate with Charles's story in your own careers? I felt that way about safe. Yeah. I mean, that was what that was sort of the beginning. That was when I first met Todd. When I when I read the, it was you know the beginning of the '90s, sort of the beginning of independent film, and I got this script out of the blue, and it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was very very spare, and and I really and I I thought I didn't understand why somebody hadn't been cast in it. It was so good. I'm like, why is this an open audition? It just seemed crazy, um, and I was very certain about how I heard it. You know, I heard it only one particular way, and I was determined. I really really wanted it, but I also knew that if if he didn't see it the way that I saw it, I thought, I'm not right for this. I, I just saw it with this particular you know, choice. And the weird thing was, when I went in and did it, um, Todd was like, that's Carol White. And so that was the beginning of our collaboration. But, but it might have been the only time when I felt that certain about something um, and that, that where I received that result. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. it also came, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a pivotal kind of moment in your career where I think you had worked with Robert Altman, perhaps, by then. Yeah. Yeah. And you were start look, you obviously had success in a different field, in TV and soaps, et cetera, mm -hmm. but like wanting to redefine the kind of career you have is easier said than done. And right. folks like Altman and Todd kind of giving you those it, gifts. It was a different time too. You know, there was a big big kind of switch in the in the culture of film, you know, from the eighties to the early nineties. Right. That was what was interesting. What was being made in the nineteen eighties was not what was happening in the early nineties. And so suddenly there was this kind of there were these different opportunities and these different voices. And Todd, of course, was one of the leaders of those of those voices. For you, Natalie, does anything resonate? I mean, when I think back to your early career, I mean you, you kind of shot out of a cannon with some amazing filmmakers that you like forged these relationships with. Um, but did, did, did any kind of shift happen early in the career where someone saw you in a different way or? Mm. Um, I think when, I think working with Mike Nichols yeah. um, was, was a real like shift um, because it had been like after doing Star Wars and all this stuff which were kind of like big blockbustery things but I wasn't really having the kind of artistic experiences that I was excited about and um, and he, you know, got me on stage and I got to do the seagull with him and this amazing group of actors right. in Shakespeare in the Park. And then he was a real like advocate for me. Like he would call up Anthony Minghella and be like, cast her. And, you know, <laughs> it, and it was the first time that someone had kind of like taken me under their wing like that. And it was really, really important for me. It's funny over the years, like so many like actors, he met so much to so many different actors and had that kind of relationship and really yeah. seemed like the smartest, coolest, funniest guy you would ever want to know. The, he was the best and, and really took mentorship yeah. 
mm. as seriously as his artistry um, and and is I mean I think about it all the time yeah. about how how generous that is in you know to and, and how much energy it takes to do both mm. yeah all right so let's dig into a little bit of, of the of the characters in this film because each of them are fascinating in their own right and I don't know, I'm just curious, like from your own perspectives for the characters you play in this, like could you make the argument from your own perspective that they are the, the sympathetic hero of the story? Like, because, <laughs> because I know that you hear that all the time from an actor, like even if you're the villain, you kind of see yourself as like motivated in a certain way. Um, Everyone's the hero of their own life. That's what I'm mm. saying, right? yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's true, you're not, you're not the anti-hero in your life. <laughs> Can you make the case first for Elizabeth? Well, I think that um, she is, you know, it's sort of like what you're saying that we're not, um, we're not here to judge. Right. I think she would say we're here to explore the human heart and the human heart is complicated and is not, is not um, uh, you know, going to always be, is not always going to be good, as she says in that kind of classroom interview, the, the bad people are the most interesting to, to play. So I think... For her, it's about seeking the, you know, art, the the truth, the heart of it, not the not the morality of it. Right. I will say, like, I can get on her. I can understand where she's coming from in different respects at different times, perhaps in the film. But when she talks about downgrading the the rap gift for the crew, I'm like, that's <laughs> that's, that's just a jerk. That's just. <laughs> um, but I could imagine, like, this is such a, and I've seen this movie a few times now, and, and the more you see it, and you will enjoy it again, see it again, because there's, there's a lot to dig into, um, the layers of this character, I mean, like, this must have appealed to you so much, because you are obviously playing an actor, and we as an audience can't help but, like, oh, that's Natalie Portman at first, You're, she is an actor, I know this is her as an actor, but this is a, obviously a, a character, and a character playing researching somebody who has already been played by another actor. There's just like a lot of meta layers here yes. that must be fascinating for you to approach. Yes, uh, we've been talking about it a lot. <laughs> that Julie was doing research for Gracie and... Yeah. As a baker, you know, so I had to go and follow someone who was a home baker to learn how to bake a cake and sell a cake from your home so that Natalie could come and observe me as a character oh playing God. a baker. In a, you know, like it was just dolls. like... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But do you, I mean, I, I think I've heard you like talk about this a little bit. Like, do you kind of enjoy the fact that the audience does think about that a little bit? They, they're, they're thinking at first, at least, like, oh, that's Natalie Portman. Wait, what am I to make of that? Her playing an actor, and where does where, where is the line between reality and fiction? Yeah, well, I, I loved. I, I'm. I think I'm always obsessed and keep returning to this theme of performance and identity, and especially I think for women, the different levels of performance that we have in our mm -hmm. lives of you know, how we are meant to perform our femininity, our, our, the way we look, the way we behave. Um, and then an actress, of course, has another layer of that because she's literally performing, right. but also she enters a room and, you know, you, you go to a barbecue and people treat you a certain way and then you have to perform like, oh no, I'm just down to earth, I'm one of you, you know? Like, there's so <laughs> many layers yeah. of her performance from the minute you get there. And I think you see that with Gracie as well. And um, and so you're just kind of like begging for someone to just be themselves and tell you the truth. And I think that's what Charles does mm -hmm. so beautifully is you're like, oh, there's a heart here. There's a beating yeah, yeah. heart of someone who's just like, you know, being, being open and, and honest. 
it's, it, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, yeah, like for, for Gracie, then it's like so much of it is presentational of trying to kind of like present this picture of like this is the greatest romance in the history of right. romances. And we just see, we see the cracks very early on and we see them build as it goes. Um, this is like for those that don't know, and probably a lot of you do know, like it's loosely inspired by Mary Kay Letourneau right. yeah. and, and that case. Like is it, is it important for you, like obviously the speech affectation for instance, I believe that's probably inspired by Mary Kay or a little, a little bit or bit, no? Not really, I mean okay. she doesn't speak that way. I mean I, I was kind of, um, I, you know, I, obviously I looked at the documentary footage and right. I read the materials that we had and stuff. And, but, but Todd was also very clear that this was not what we were doing. You know, we right. were not, we were not, it's not a portrait of Mary Kay Letourneau. So um, I, one of the things that was interesting to me about the script was how, um, I mean, I was struggling with it, that she seemed to be, this character seemed to be kind of um, commanding in a sense, always telling people what to do. And it wasn't, it wasn't making any sense to me. I didn't know, I'm like, who is this person? I couldn't, couldn't find her in that. And then, um, and then when I realized, oh no, she is, she has a story about being rescued by her right. prince, and her prince was 13 years old, and 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 that she has to elevate him to being an adult, right? Which makes her kind of forever the princess, forever the child. So she's not, so when she's commanding everybody, she's still like the princess. She's like a little girl in a princess dress with an apron on and a wooden spoon in her hand. That whole idea. So the narrative is so highly constructed. Um, and the space between, I think, that, that, that narrative that she's pushing all the time, or she's you know, living, and what actually happened is so huge. And in between that, there's this tremendous tension and volatility which Sammy, of course, reveals, you know, when she's alone. And that was what was fascinating to me. And fascinating, I think, in the, in the real story, too. You know, when you kind of looked at the documentary footage, the amount of pain, I think, that was, that, that, that was evident. Right. Um, so I was interested in that. I mean, like Natalie, I was very interested in the performative aspects of that, of that hyper-femininity. Um, and then also genderized culture too. I kept thinking about that. You know, she says, you know, I mean, what if, if someone makes a choice like that? If they feel like they need to be rescued romantically mm. by a 13-year-old because they can't get out of whatever they're in, what does that say about the genderized culture they're living in? Mm. Not that she's, you know, without responsibility. I'm not saying that, but it's very complicated. And the things that Sammy is writing about are really, really complicated, very human ideas. And then Joe. Um, it, it almost feels like this is this guy, and you know this character, I'm gonna let you speak because you don't wanna hear me describe Joe, but it feels like an emotionally stunted guy, a guy that's kind of like been stuck since yeah. this happened, mm -hmm. and he is now this kind of man-child who is kind of still, yeah. I mean, it, always, it strikes me in, in watching the movie, like um, uh, uh, the, the, the ex-husband still uh, talks about you as the boy, mm -hmm. and, and I think to, to many, like they're still seeing him as this, mm -hmm. as this boy stuck yeah. at, at 13. For you, what was the key into kind of figuring out who Joe was? Well, it was just like, you know, with Sammy's script, just really looking at what happened to Joe at 13 and the sense of responsibility that he had to take on. And not only was he a father at the end of the day, but he had all this uh, public projection onto how he was feeling and kind of, it kind of distorted his reality in a sense. And, froze him in that time, in a way his innocence was taken from him. Right. And so how would that manifest through just him, you know, where we find him in the script, being a 36-year-old father, getting ready to be an empty nester. Joe had to 
in order to survive, create this um, adaptive adult child. And, you know, you, uh, Joe doesn't really know, in a sense, if he's the hero or not. He's just put his marriage and his kids and everything before himself. And it's really, you know, when he meets Elizabeth and, you know, towards that two-week journey of the script where Joe finally sees himself in that scene in the mirror, where Joe is finally looking at himself. And to me, that was the first time he's ever just looked at himself. And, um, so many aspects of the film I love. Like, I, I, it strikes me, it illuminates how kind of, and I mean this in the best possible way, how insane acting is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because we see these moments where, like, what it's like for an actor to sometimes to prepare in isolation without the accoutrements of a set. And we see your character in the stock room, uh, you know, in the hotel room, and like going through these motions that like to any other like sane person witnessing would be like, oh, that person is not well. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does that resonate with you? Because this probably is actually a part of your respective processes to different degrees. I don't expect you're going back into a storeroom and doing that, but you are probably doing line readings in a mirror, et cetera, et cetera. Does that resonate at all in terms of, did that resonate when reading the script? Absolutely, and I think one of the, the greatest things that Todd gave, gave me when discussing the character was not falling into making fun of her, right. um, which was a big temptation because it is so absurd what we do and it is really like, great to laugh at it and and you know there's so much absurdity and and I think the absurdity comes out but you know it was important for Todd that when we start she's a reliable narrator that yeah. she's the one you kind of trust to be this sort of detective in uncovering the story of what happened to with Grace and Joe and then of course it unravels and you realize she's right. not reliable at all um, and so to not overdo the, you know, laughing at it. So then it can be sort of revealed what the absurdity of it all right. um, later and and to try and find those moments again where we another thing we talked about a lot was when she is alone, like in the stock room yeah. or in the hotel. And even though she's performing, those are actually kind of the most truthful moments mm. because she's- Not performing for anybody, yeah. There's no audience. Yeah. Um, but yet there's the, camera as the mirror, <laughs> as the audience. So there is the kind of double, double, um, you know, acceptance of artifice in there. If, if we did peek at your private processes, what would, what would amuse or shock us about what you do to prepare for a role? <sighs> uh, well, I would have a triple cheeseburger with bacon <laughs> and five guys. Best <laughs> hot dogs and milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> Capri Suns. I think for me, it's the muttering. It's the constant mm. muttering of the lines. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> around the house, around my kids, in the car. I'll be and they'll be like, oh, mm, you're working. <laughs> we hope she's working. That's Don't right. Know. It's just muttering. Yeah. Anything for you, Natalie, or is it uh... Oh, I mean, so much of it is so silly. But it would be <laughs> surprising. No. I don't know. Um, 
I mean, a I don't know, a, a lot of like writing mm. down stuff. Right, like, background I have character and... Always like notebooks full of stuff and yeah, um, and that are, yeah, I think, it, I don't know how surprising it is, but it's just a lot of... <laughs> but you know what would surprise you about how we work though is how much we laugh. Right. We laughed so hard. I laughed particularly hard with these guys. I mean, we really did. I mean, there was a tremendous sense of play on set mm -hmm. um, and enjoyment and real, real pleasure. And I think because we trusted each other so much and we trusted Todd and he, he sets up an environment where you have so much scaffolding, so much context. Um, the frame is kind of, you know where you are all the time. You know the story that he's telling. Right. And that frees you up tremendously as an actor. And so you just, so we really, I, I think we thrilled um, to be there and we were happy to be in each other's company and we, we really, yeah, we laughed a lot. I, I've, heard, I've heard Todd say, like, he was actually worried you guys had, it was such an enjoyable so hard, yeah. shoot, like, this can't turn out well. Because yeah. for those that don't know, this was a 23-day shoot. Yeah. This is a very short production schedule for a film mm -hmm. like this. You know, a couple of gasps. No. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, are you, for instance, I want to talk about like, I mean, the linkage between your two characters and how you kind of have to mirror each other and the progression throughout the film. Like, are you, were you able to shoot somewhat in sequence? Because that's, that is a challenge to build what you're trying to do in, in emulating Joe uh, to uh, Gracie through the, the film. Yeah, it was, it was really scary because we didn't have rehearsal time yeah. and we did have this thing that our, our performances had to be coordinated in this very, specific way, um, but the luck of it all, I mean, first of all, I've dreamed my entire career of getting to work with Julie. I mean, she's an actress, I, I study, I like worship um, her work, and um, it was so extraordinary to get to watch her up close, and luckily that my character was studying her. So that I could, Sorry, I have I to could, do this, Julie, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so I could, I could, you know, be in awe and, you know, observation and try and copy her, and it was all part of my, my character. Um, but luckily, also, Julie's extraordinarily generous, so she was very thoughtful in constructing her performance, what she could offer me to, to you know, as identifiable traits to copy um, in constructing her own character that also, of course, were true to, to the, her character. And then we did shoot relatively chronologically right. so that I was able to, in real time, kind of learn what she was, what she was doing. And what Natalie did so brilliantly too, which was so wonderful, is that you know Gracie's dying for approbation from Elizabeth. She wants her to see her as she wants to portray herself, you know. So, so Natalie was doing that. Um, so, in for example, the, the the dress scene where we're shopping for the graduation dresses, and I'm sitting here, and you know, and I'm going like the, you know, Gracie has these hyper feminine gestures, and 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 you know, I can see Natalie doing it, and it's pleasurable, and so I'm having the experience as um, as a character of of feeling that you know of, of feeling feeling that. But then when I see the movie, I see, you know, later on as, as an actress, and I, I see the things that Natalie did that Gracie didn't see. Right. And it was wonderful. I was like, oh my God, that's just phenomenal. I loved it because we were, we were very much a team when we were working. And I think it made, 
it just made it so pleasurable and so exciting because we could really lean into what the other one was doing. I think we felt very connected um, and that we were, it was, we were building it together as actors and characters. Again, see it again for the small progressions throughout the film, it's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Um, the physicality of Joe, you kind of alluded to this a little bit. I kind of, the only thing I resent is you gaining 40 pounds still is like looking better than me at my peak. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're a jerk for that, but other than that. <laughs> um, but why was it, I mean, I, I get why it's necessary, but explain to us like why, why the body, why, why altering your body in that way and, and how Joe's physicality informed your approach to the character. Yeah, um, Todd and I, we, we had a few conversations, not so much about what Joe would look like, but what he would feel like. Yeah. And being a suburban dad, um, having a full-time job, having three kids, uh, there's really not too much time for Joe to, you know, find comfort in like taking a CrossFit class or something. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of, those kind of discussions that Todd and I were having really informed just the natural progression of just where I went with the physicality and, you know, the sense of, you know, Joe doesn't like to take up space. You know, he's, only, he's very, he's uh, pre-verbal, like there's a lot of repression in his body. So just kind of diving into that and understanding how that could just live in the body and uh, how you can tell that story. Because, you, know, you know, if you see a guy in the corner of the room with his shoulders hunched, just kind of like standing to himself, keeping to himself, there's some sort of, uh, oh, is that person okay? You know, that kind of thing. So, but that just came naturally with just the script and then just trusting Todd and Todd just really encouraging me and, Natalie and Julie, I mean, on set, it was, you know, there's so much awe, but then I'm like, all right, Charles, like, you, you, you have to focus. <laughs> like, tell Joe's story, like, Charles, you can fan out later, like, just focus. But Ask about was, Boogie Nights later. Right now, I gotta work. But it was, it was so, I felt so just encouraged by them, like, just masters of their craft, legends, and just, you know, I felt so safe and protected to just really let go. I know this crowd has just seen the film, but if you'll indulge us, I think a lot of this, all of this wor is worthy of a second look. I want to look at one scene in particular that's fantastic. It is uh, the scene, one of the scenes in the mirror, the makeup scene, for lack of a better term. There's so much I love about that scene. It's like you don't even, like, are they about to kill each other? Are they going to have sex? Are they going to be best friends? <laughs> we have no idea. It could go any way. Um, and the pauses, like the pregnant pauses, and I, I guess... How much of that, that can't be scripted. I mean, you have the script, right. but you don't know, but that has to be just an organic feel that you guys find in the moment, I assume, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it was very, the script was very inspiring because there was so much, all of the meaning was between the lines. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it fed that kind of meaningful silence. Um, and it's, it's really like, the, for me, the most devastating seen in the in the movie because it feels which was really revealed itself to me while we were doing it i didn't realize it on the page but it felt like all about mother trauma right that like that line those those lines where she says what was your mother like mm. and then this long wait and then she was beautiful like everything that's unsaid there like that's what you have to say about your mother 
while they're putting on makeup, this extremely performative feminine thing and looking at themselves in the mirror, this like tool of oppression for women, you know, like it's, it's so heavy and so, um, and, and they see each other in a way that I don't think they do before that. Like it's this real moment of connection. Of yeah, and Gracie's literally saying to her, let me put my face on you. Right. You know, she's like, this is my this is my makeup, this is what I do, it's all kind of very basic, this feels silly. And then to say, like, let me do this for you, you know. And and it, you know, I didn't remember, I didn't remember I touched your hair for so long. That was something that that came up and, and this is this is the kind of stuff that happens when you're working. You know, we had to get Natalie's wig out of her face, right? <laughs> and there's this whole thing about how it couldn't go back into a ponytail and blah blah blah, and there's all this discussion about this. And I said, I'll just push it back. I'll do it myself in the scene. And now watching it just now, I didn't I'm like, I spent a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love Natalie. So <laughs> and, and I think, it, I think in the doing of it, what was interesting, what, what was just a technical thing initially becomes part of the scene because as I did it, it felt really intimate. Right. And it felt like Gracie saying, like, let me feel what you're like, you know? So sometimes stuff just comes up like that. Sure. It's in, and, and it happens, and that's the kind of the joy of doing it. It just is a surprise. Did you know what his musical choices were going to be. Was he playing that for you on set, guys? Yeah, he played it uh, early on before yeah. certain scenes, and it just kind of really set the, uh, the atmosphere and the tone of... Uh... What about the, the, the camera moves, too? Like, are you, how aware are you as... Do you want to know, like, when the camera is moving, like, the zooms, et cetera, or do, does that impact your performance? I'm very aware of where the camera is. Yeah. I need to know. I feel like that's the part of the storytelling, you know. It's like, mm. well, and, and in this case, in this scene, you know, there's no mirror there. There's right. a camera lens, and there are marks that we're looking at. So we know where we're looking, and we, we need to know mm. um, because we're we're part of that construct. You know, I think that, and I think with someone who is as talented as Todd. Who's, who's telling an intricate, you know, complicated story. You, you, ha you have to know, you need to be a part of that language right. because you're, you know, that's how it's gonna inform your own work. What do we think happens after the final frame of this film to Joe and Gracie? Are they, uh, you guys must have talked about this. You must have. No. No? No, no. movie's over. Yeah. <laughs> I did my part. Yeah. Have to wait for the sequel. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Another franchise. Here we go. <laughs> but you know what's wonderful? I mean, and, and somebody was asking me about this the other day too. And and I think that we all have an instinct as as human beings. We love narrative because there's a beginning and a middle and an end. Mm. Um, and we're like, oh, that's what happened. And in life, of course, we don't have that until someone dies. That's the only time you have the narrative is over. That's when it's finished. And with movies, we tend to be very satisfied. We're like, the end, like that. And, and it's like you breathe out. And, and, um, and with this movie, and with a lot of Todd's movies, it's almost like it ends on an inhale. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the audience is left having to exhale on their own. <laughs> <laughs> so so I don't want to get superstitious about you know, the, the awards kind of side of this. It's just beginning, and hopefully you guys are gonna be at a lot of fun, silly awards shows throughout the season, well-deserved in advance, congratulations. Um, but it, you know, it occurs to me, like Charles is starting to experience this for the first time. And you guys, I think we have eight Oscar nominations, two awards between the two of these actresses here. Um, two of the, truly the best. <laughs> what would you like to have known 
way back when about like kind of going through that, that process, when your, your first nominations of just sort of like how to enjoy it, how to accept the, the, the wonderful insanity that is accolades. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's changed a lot over mm. time. Um, I think the really exciting thing, young Charles, is that you spend, end up spending a lot of time by the end of it with the most amazing people in the creative community. Right. Mm. And you you develop kind of a rapport with people because you're just at these events for yeah. like six months together and you end up getting to be at round tables and cocktails and dinners. And if you can actually take advantage of it and like actually have a conversation with someone, which is very hard in those surroundings, but like it can be really meaningful and lead to, you know, later friendships and stuff. Right, and I think also the fact that it, you, you, you know, we, we tend to make everything a competition or a race right. in our culture, and it becomes about that. And, and that, you, you don't want that to supersede what's happening, which mm. is that people are celebrating each other's work. Mm. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful to be with your peers and have people say, I really enjoyed that performance. And, and I think that's the thing that you want to lean into. Mm. Yeah. Are you more excited about your fantasy football team season right now or award season? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good in my fantasy football. <laughs> I made a big comeback. I started off not too, not uh, with a losing record. And but you're turning it around? Yeah. Go Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a challenge for you guys because you, uh, the two actresses sitting next to me have played some of the greatest roles in the last 25 years, I would say. I'm going to read you a line. You tell me if you said it or your co-star here. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if you That's can finish fun. the line. These are pretty okay. easy, I think. Okay. Um, I believe the characters we read on the page become more real. Oh, that's from Jackie. I don't know what the rest of the line is. <laughs> 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 so I flush it out right at yeah. the end of the shoot. It's uh, then the men who stand uh, who stand beside us. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't give you the line reading, but I gave you the actual no, no, no. line. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? Oh. <laughs> That's the drugstore scene in Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> don't call me lady. Don't call me Yeah, don't call me lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a male myth about feminists that we hate sex. It's a zesty enterprise. Yes. <laughs> Big Lebowski, that's called Lebowski. Come on, that's yeah. the best. Wow. Um, I felt it perfect. It was perfect. That's Black Swan. It definitely is Black yeah. Swan. Wow. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. That's 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 me. That's you. But <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, do you need a hint? You Is know. it V? No, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a film a few people in here probably have seen a thousand times. Oh my god! Is it Star Wars? It's Star Wars. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no one said it. <laughs> 
Attack of the Clones. Oh, okay. Attack of the Thank Clones. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No problem. And yes, yeah. I'm an expert. You're welcome, everybody. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to some audience questions in a little bit, but um, the happy, sad, confused, profoundly random questions. What do you guys collect? Does anybody collect anything here? Furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I like furniture. Okay. Yeah. Charles? I like sneakers. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I have a few first edition books. Not a big collection, but. Okay. Oh, she's fancier than us. <laughs> I mean, furniture's fancy. Come on. <laughs> have you ever asked for an autograph or a photo from. Oh, you have, Natalie. Yes. yes. From who? I, when I was a kid, I waited in line for Gregory Hines. And um, and Lily Tomlin at separate shows. I was like, really, yeah. Amazing. Waited for a while for both of them. <laughs> Anyone? Um, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. LeBron. <gasps> Tyson Chandler. Um, sensing a pattern. Yeah, like a, what? I'm sensing a pattern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah most, I think mostly basketball players. Yeah. And I usually have my son with me, I have to say. It was I chased LeBron down a court once going, LeBron, 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 LeBron. Now, are you pretending it's for your son or is it actually for your son? <laughs> it, was, it was for both of us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone that you've ever... Or who would you like? Jalen Hurts. He's okay. the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the wallpaper on your phone? Anybody here want to cop to what's the wallpaper on their phone? Oh, I'll pass on that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Anybody? My daughter did one of those like custom things, and it's got like candies and smiley faces and all sorts of different, I don't know. Love it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, last actor you were mistaken for? Keira Knightley. All the time. <laughs> You're like today, yesterday, five years ago. Very flattered, but <laughs> it's, it's a constant, yeah. Have you ever signed a Keira Knightley photo? No. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. No, I have not. Okay. <laughs> Jillian Anderson. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they, uh, they think they're, you're like, you're in that David Duchovny show. <laughs> no. <laughs> a, it's not on anymore. B, yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. Anyone jump out? Uh, -huh. uh not really. Okay. Matt Damon. <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs> I get it, totally. Um, <laughs> what's the worst note a director has ever given you? Oh. <laughs> Julianne went there. She's got it. I had it. It was a criticism. It wasn't really a note. Well, it was kind of a note. It was um, somebody told me that my face wasn't moving anymore. and We'd been shooting in the middle of the night in 30 degree weather. And he was like, what's the matter with you? You're not moving your face at all. <laughs> wow. Okay. It was a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Anyone? Uh, I did this, uh, this was like for a commercial that never came out, but we were freezing cold, it was for yogurt, and we were in, the, the water was freezing, Oof. and I was shaking, and he was like, can you stop shaking, can you stop shaking, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't stop shaking, and yeah, probably the worst note I've ever, okay. Okay. yeah. 
and you're okay. Good one from yeah. um, <laughs> Milos Forman, which is was also just like the best. He was like, you're acting like this is a bad movie, but this is not a bad movie. This is a good movie. <laughs> I was like, I love this. <laughs> the accent also helps. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the spirit of uh, the name of my podcast, Happy Second Fuse, who's an actor that always makes you happy. You see them on screen, you're instantaneously feeling good. Julia Roberts. Steve Carell. Very good. Yeah, Steve Carell's good. Maybe Will Ferrell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, also producer on this. That's right. Yeah, also yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A movie that makes you sad, always. Oh, my girl. So, is that the bees? Yeah, remember the when bees. she's like at the funeral and she's like, he doesn't have his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. The way we were. Sure. That always yeah. makes me sad. It's yeah, a good one. <sighs> <laughs> we gave you the most time, Charles. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not a crier. Not a crier? Oh, no, I'm a crier. I'm a, uh, uh, I'm just thinking maybe up. Yeah, I was just oh, Pixar. Pixar always oh, does. Oh, I can't right? even, I can't even watch that. Oh. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Oh. It's really a good test if you're an actual human being to watch the first 20 minutes. Up. up. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, food that always makes you confused. You see it on the menu, you don't get it. What is up with this? Why do people like this? Oh. Mashed potatoes. Why do people like mashed potatoes? <laughs> it's just mush. mush. <laughs> it's just mush. I love it. It's like, potatoes. I know, people love it. <laughs> they love them. It's just mashed mush. Is it consistency? Is it the? All of it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have a problem with fruit in salad. Mm. Oh, mm. not into it. Right. Fruit. Like I like fruit salad. Right, but not fruit but in I the don't green want, salad. Like, yeah, a strawberry and savory a... salad no. with fruit in it. Mm. Yeah, mm. bothers me. Yeah, I've never you. seen you so enraged. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like blue cheese. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What? What is up? What? <laughs> yes. Let me. I don't like oatmeal. Oh. <laughs> he could say anything and you would be cheering. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, let's go to some questions from the audience. Um, the final scene is a powerful one, and I would be interested to understand how it felt to experience it both as Natalie and as Elizabeth. What do you recall shooting the final scene? Well, um, there. Well, first of all, um, it was to hold a real snake was a real. Um, <laughs> surprise, like somehow <laughs> I didn't think about it when I read the script that mm. there was gonna be a snake actor alongside us. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then this young actor who also, it was very uncomfortable because of course the story is so dark, but at least we get to have the fast forward 20 years <laughs> later yes. and he's an adult, but yeah. then to actually have this like kid and have this scene. Um, and then um, and then also, I mean, Sammy's writing for the scene is so like, you kind of realize that this whole time, all of this buildup has been for like this, like it's not, <laughs> it doesn't feel like this great work of art. And I think it helps add 
to this question of like, you know, what is is it really worth right. interfering in people's lives, and how does the depiction For this? Yeah. Yes. how does <laughs> yeah. the depiction of people's lives justify right. the you know the effect of of that telling their story for them? So um, it was incredible to shoot, and um, you know I love Todd's construction of it with this kind of one long take. Right, it was really fun to play. Do you, do you think Elizabeth is a very good actor? What's your assessment of her acting ability? I'll, I'll let you judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, this is from Natasha for uh, Julianne. Uh, what stylistic choices did you make when conceptualizing this character versus what was on the page? Oh, that's a good question, because it really was a physicalization. You know, and, and like I said, the decisions um, in making that were, were twofold. They were, um, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to give Natalie something to work with. That was really important, and Todd and I talked about that early on, because um, you, you, you can't just show up and do nothing and then have somebody, you know, it's like, so, so in, in searching for that, I was like, well, what would be true to her? And, and I found this kind of this idea of this childlike presentation, this hyper-femininity. And so those were, you know, so I sort of leaned into that, and um, it, was, it was interesting it was an interesting process searching for them because the vocal choice felt big and risky. You know, I was I was concerned about it, and and Todd and I discussed it for a long time, and um, and then we just said, and I was like, okay, let's here we go. Well, and yeah. again, like because the the quickness of the shoot, it's like yeah. you have to just like make that kind of big choice on yeah. day one, and there's no going back. No, mm -mm. you're in it. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the uh, the scene at the mirror. Um, Arter wants to know how many takes did it take to film the mirror? It wasn't very many. I, I think we maybe did like four or something. I mean, it was very technically complicated what Julie was doing, especially because um, there were like two sets of makeup that were hers and mine. Our makeup artists were very concerned about hygiene. Um, <laughs> which I, we appreciated. Sure. Yeah. So it's like I'm putting on, you know, below the frame, there's all this makeup that belongs to me that my makeup artist uses on me. So I'm putting it on myself. But then as I, as I do Natalie's makeup, I have to switch my hands to the other sponge. I put this sponge down, I pick up her sponge, and I get her makeup, and I go like that. And honestly, most of the time, I was just thinking about getting the makeup on her face, getting the right makeup, and also getting the right saturation on her lips in time. So, so when we turn into the mirror, we both have on the same, <laughs> same kind of density of lip color. So, And then we also had the marks on the mirror, yeah. which was not a mirror with the camera, but there's like an X for where we're supposed to be looking at ourselves and another X for where we're supposed to be looking at each other, yeah. trying to figure out like, you know, and appropriately look at ourself and, you know, the other character and while, you know, talking about epistemic <laughs> relativism and our, and our mother drama. <laughs> mother drama. Yeah. Another easy um, day at the office. Well, it is, must be exceptionally rare to like stare down the barrel and do like a, a scene like that for an actor. Yeah, it's kind of the extreme practice of what we always have to do, which is like accept yeah, yeah, that yeah. there's a camera and a crew and you're not in a real space like to absorb that artifice. Right. Um, Marianne wants to know for Charles, we kind of address this a bit, but it was so incredible to see you in such a complex new role. How did you prepare for the role of a young father? Ooh. 
Uh, you think Joe's a good dad. What do we think of him as a dad? Yeah, it's he's kind of a sweet good... to see him with his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great dad. You know, when I found out that uh, Gabriel and uh, Lizzie and Piper booked the role when they came into Savannah, I would invite them over and we would watch movies and I'd order them pizza. We'd eat pizza. They would come over and do the laundry at the house. I would pick up Gabriel, take him to the movies. And it was kind of, it's kind of cool when you. I, I always have, I have people that are like, oh, you've never seen this? Like, and they're so excited to watch something like, you know, Vertigo for the first time with me. So I kind of had that experience with them. I'm like, you haven't seen Fight Club? Or <laughs> you haven't seen The Godfather? Like, oh my gosh, let's watch this. <laughs> so, and I think all those things naturally, I think just, you know, informed along with the work that I did just, yeah. you know, when we came to set and there's that, you know, kind of uh, comfort. It's, I mean, again, we kind of, we've talked about the, the quickness of the shoot and you've kind of referenced like, you know, working with the likes of these actors yeah. and, and Todd, like did that almost help you in a way? Because again, from day one, you, you, there's no adjusting. You kind of just have to commit and be comfortable in your own skin in playing this character and, and following Todd's lead, I would assume. Yeah, um, I felt very, um, you know, from the get-go of meeting Natalie and Julie and just with Todd's guidance, like I just felt immediately just by being with them just elevated. Like I felt... It, they say you belong, so you belong. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and I just felt, you know, I was like, I have to give everything I have, I, I can to just work as hard as I could yeah. and just, you know, and, and, you know, I've seen, you know, interviews with, I haven't told them this, with Julie and Natalie when they're just talking about certain things and they talk about preparation and like I took from that and just prepared as best as I could and as much as I could and then just completely just let it go with them. Amazing. Um, from Warren, uh, for all of you guys, uh, how do you get in the mindset of such troubled, traumatized characters without bringing that home with you? You good at compartmentalizing? I'm that? very compartmentalized. I think that having children, honestly, mm. you know, uh, is very helpful with that. I mean, it's like, and, and then also knowing that, um, like, I, you know, I love my work. And I, and I think that you, like I said, knowing where the camera is. I was, I was talking to somebody who was, who was talking about being overwhelmed by, by things emotionally and, and when they worked. And I said, you know, it really helps me to know that there is a camera there. There's a camera there. There's an operator and there's a dolly grip. And um, the, you, know, you see the lights everywhere and you see everybody else. And, and so it's like, you, I, I like to have the process of, of creation with all of these other people because I can invest myself emotionally and intellectually, I can see everything's going, it's, you know, it's a, there's a duality to what we do. And I think it's really, really important to, to know that and to invest in that. And I think there's a mythology about actors getting lost right. in things mm -hmm. and it's not helpful. It really isn't. It's, this is a, it's a creative construction. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think you need to know that. I always get, really upset when I hear actors say, well, now I really know what it's like to do X, Y, and Z. You don't, <laughs> right? I, We're pretending. Yep. We get as close as we can. It's a facsimile, right? You're, you're storytelling, and that's really, really important. That doesn't mean that you're, you don't feel things in your body, because you mm. want to, but your mind has to know that it's not the same. Mm. So you must have encountered the actors that, that go that route, and is that, is that tricky for you to kind of 
they've got their process, it works for them, but I know it can be wear on a crew also mm -hmm. when folks go to that kind of extreme. Um, has that been tricky for you to navigate folks that come at it differently than you? Yours seems to be the healthy, intellectual, emotional way to <laughs> do it. I will say that. <laughs> People's process or their process, you yeah. know? I mean, you can't, that's, that's right. not something that you do anything about, yeah. yeah. Does, does what Julianne says resonate with you guys? Have you always been able to kind of like, has that, was that a lesson learned early on and kind of not taking work home with you? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's always been important. That was something that I felt so close to Julie immediately um, and Charles that I think we all have very similar things that we're very focused and, um, you know, when we're in it, we're in it. And then when we're out, we're mm -hmm. out and, and, and it feels safe. It's, it's yeah. actually similar to one of, the, one of the lines that Sammy wrote when um, Elizabeth is talking to the students and she's like, you know, you don't, you don't know if you're feeling pleasure, you know, pretending that you're feeling pleasure or pretending that you're right. not feeling pleasure. It's like I could say all of those manipulative, horrible things to Julianne because I knew that in real life I loved her. You know, like it, it, it allows, you have to be aware of the artifice at the same time as, as, you're, as you're doing it in, in a way. So you now are all veterans of the Todd Haynes experience. You're in the Five Timers Club with Todd. Yeah. What do you say to fellow actors? What's, what, what is the Todd Haynes experience like? I, I assume you would recommend to anybody. It's a dream. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that it's pretty evident to everybody who works with him that he's, he's just one of the greats, you know, one of the great directors, one of the great storytellers, and also a tremendously wonderful human being. Yeah. There's a lightness to Todd, you know, and a joyfulness. Um, and a sense of humor, and I, he elevates us all with his work. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. We see it in, in every film he's done. Um, how does this change you going forward? You're spoiled, man. You just, you, just, you just leveled up with the best in the business. Does this kind of, I don't know, it must change your philosophy on the kind of career you want to have or, or change your aspirations, or, or tell me kind of where your head's at coming out of this experience. I'm just, uh, I feel, a lot of gratitude, yeah. you know? And I just go back to like the gift of those 23 days that I got to spend with Natalie and Julie and Todd in Savannah, Georgia, you know? Uh, in my career, it's the best experience that I've had and that's the cake. The good news is you get to spend more than 23 days on the best <laughs> process. <laughs> Silly events like this and enjoying each other's company. Um, the movie is fantastic, guys. May, December, it's uh, on Netflix like in like two minutes, basically, midnight. <laughs> yeah. Netflix, yeah. But by the time you guys listen or watch the podcast, it's out on Netflix. <laughs> Give it up for Charles Melton, Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, May, December. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>